Scott's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All right, Reno's in. ESPN Reno, ESPN Las Vegas. Here on a Friday, our Friday home is Treasure Island, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar, John Von Tobel, Mateo on the scene. It's Cofield. Jared is in for Demon back at the Finley Toyota Studios. Uh, good guest spots coming up. We're going to talk to the head coach of Bryant football in about 15, 20 minutes. Get a preview of uh, what he's got coming to town here in Vegas for a 1 o'clock kickoff against UNLV tomorrow. Derek Stevens, owner of the Circa, owner of the D, really the owner of downtown now. Uh, he'll be in with us around 445. Good buddy of John Von Tobel. I don't think that's true. Derek's always been very nice to me every time I talk to him, but I don't know if he would consider me a friend. Come on. What? You're so into this, too, about when, you know, different people are giving you the fist bumps. Oh, like, I'll, uh, I think I, I'll go out on a limb here. This might not be true. I think I get a, a fist bump from Derek 100% of the time. I think we're that close. That's, to me, that's a good buddy. Okay, all right, cool. Right? No, yeah, that's a good point. All right, um, I'm connected. I will say, though, that I see that they have a 16-person invitational Handicapping contest. Before you go there. And I don't see one John Von Tobel, but I only saw like six of the 16 pimp today on a tweet, so are you amongst the other 10? Uh, if you look at the 16, they share a commonality. No visa employees allowed. There are some. Excuse me? There's no visa employees allowed. Who organized the contest? Matt Humans. He's not in it? No. He's not in it? He's, I think what they're calling him was like proxy handicappers or something, like where they're going to track their record alongside and do it in the same format, but they are not eligible to win the contest. Oh, wow. I mean, that's what I keep telling myself anyway well, for not being invited. I do have a model, though, so maybe they're all just scared. <laughs> has anyone expressed fear with your football model? Uh, no. Every single one of you morons has, also, has tried to tap dance <laughs> on its grave before it's even dug and not realized what the whole por- purpose of the model is. It really is weird. Because I feel like you should be competitive, but you're like, no, it's just an experiment. Well, no, it's I want it to be good. Don't 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 get it twisted, as the kids say, Steve. But it's like asking a child to be a professional athlete in the first year of its life. Well, that's not going to be the case. Yeah, I want to be competitive. I want this thing to be good, but it's the first time I've ever done something like this. Should I really expect it to? Fire off and that's, have a bunch of winners and locks? I don't think so. I know, but that's not the way the picks world works now. I mean, if you're nuanced enough, it, it is how it works if you're actually <laughs> upfront about it and you know what's going on, which is what we're doing. You can check it out on vcin.com slash JVT. I'm keeping a weekly journal on the model. I like the, the word that started with an N, but I would go with uh, if you're naive, which is what you are if you think that people are going to be nuanced enough to go, we understand, John. You make your system work in real time, and we're with you. Well, I mean, actually, I got a lot of positive feedback on it. And in the article, I actually spell out how I made it. Like, it's everything's out front. So, is there someone you admire who's a modeler, as you keep calling it? Um, what's uh, Giselle Bunchen? Probably. The oh, joke, the jokes are flowing. <laughs> that was a good one. Uh, no, not really, to be honest with you. Like, there's not anybody that sticks out that is like 100% like, hey, this guy's a modeler, and I think that he's the best. I just think, because I do think there's a lot of arrogance when it comes to the folks in the sports betting community and their models and their numbers. Um, So there's not a specific guy or gal, but I do think the process is fascinating. So that's what I love more, the work, the grind, as they say, Steve. What a fun weekend 
that we have on the way. Last night started with college football. We're going to have more tonight. Uh, by the way, good news. The weather at different sports books is being a pain in the ass, but uh, here at TI Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar, they have the, the TVs back up. I noticed when they popped on, there was a Pittsburgh against Kentucky women's volleyball game, which I'm not going to mock on because in Nebraska they just put, basically put a postage stamp in the middle of their football stadium and got 92000 for a women's volleyball game. Sets the record, right? World yeah. record? I think it's the world record for the most to ever view any female sporting event, yes. isn't it? Uh, most attended female sporting event. There's never been a women's World Cup game in some mega stadium somewhere that got like 100,000? That is kind of surprising. I mean, 92,000 is a lot of people. Yes. And there aren't that many stadiums around the world that can hold 100,000. And I, I am going to assume that the setting of volleyball, where the court is you know, pretty small yeah. in comparison to where they were holding it, like maybe soccer because of, you know, cause you can pack people down on the feet. Like, well, it's not on the field, oh, but what is it, point. the court? They, they you were know what I'm out saying? There. Yeah, it looked like yeah. there were like 5,000,000, 7,000 people on the so field. So you could probably add to that number more than you could where you have a full pitch at whatever stadium or arena that Women's World Cup play is. So, you know, it's funny, in hour one, and it really goes back to a story that our buddy Damon had sent us about sleeping giants around college football. And <laughs> on the list, I think one and two were Nebraska and Miami. And I'm like, I sleeping giant? They were giants. But I guess, yes, these giants are sleeping list. But I, I always thought of a sleeping giant like someone who's rarely had success. Yeah. So UNLV was actually on the list. Um, frankly... For people listening in Reno right now, you should probably be insulted if you were on the list because they've had a winning football program, and you know, they had a bull run there before everything kind of fell apart the last two years with uh, Norvell bailing and stealing like 25 players. They had a good program. So I, I'd be like, what do you mean? We're, we've been, you know. I mean, I guess they, the goal would be to, be to get to higher levels like Boise has been to win 11 games every year. But anyway, UNLV was on the list, but Miami was there as well. <laughs> Miami's playing Miami, Ohio, and the number's not that big. I hear – I'm very disappointed in sports talkers. Like, it's one thing you always point out. John Von Tobel's here. John works at VEASAN. John is an NBA guy. Um, there aren't a lot of really good, hardcore NBA people working on the national level who can also do gambling. And that doesn't surprise me. But you point it out all the time. It's, it's kind of infantile speak, and it, it – it, it kind of drops down to, and it's not ripping these guys because they do what they do, but like Skip and Stephen A. level where you're just going to scream and yell. Some of the takes I hear before a college football season, it's like, it's freaking football. Sports talk people, read a little bit. Mm -hmm. This notion that, oh, Mario Cristobal, uh, last year. Yeah, last year. He walked into a program that was middling in the ACC. I believe me. I don't know if it's going to happen out of the gates this year, but there's this thought like, well, Cristobal didn't get him to 11 wins last year. Who knows what's going to happen? He's going to win. They have a budget. They have a big-time background. He can recruit the blank out of the entire country. They're going to win. Now, I don't know if they're going to win by four touchdowns tonight against, I guess, what people call the real Miami. Miami is going to win. And to just say, like, well, Cristobal, up against it, like he's building a program. How much you want to bet? What's your total this year? Uh, let me look real quick. Because here's my thing. This is why I would push back a little bit. There are a few things. First of which, last year, what rubbed me the wrong way was Mario Cristobal at the end of the season uh, started to go down the path of it's the players, not he me. An, he was an excuse maker. Yes. And, and I think that's where a lot of maybe the thoughts that 
maybe he's not really cut out for this. And I also uh, he, think he is cut out for it. Now he he didn't show a lot of character when he didn't have the players. He's going to have the players. I trust that. But you're right. That was not a good sign. I hate when coaches do that. And he's not a coach. If you go back to his time at Oregon. If you analyze him from like a coach who adds wins at the margins, right? Decision making, game managing, he's never really been known as a guy who has maximized the. We'll put it that way: maximize the win probability of his team with the decision that he makes or decisions that he makes. And I would very much argue a troubling sign. I know he's not a fully in charge of it, but when you get a guy like Tyler Van Dyke, who going into last season, for those who don't remember, was going to be like a top quarterback prospect NFL draft wise, completely fell off and didn't play very well. So I, 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 it's one of those things where both can be true, right? Where I would agree with you if you're just coming in and saying he can't win <laughs> like last year, like that's not the way to do it. But if you're going to build the case the way I'm doing it with looking at last year, looking at his time at Oregon and thinking that maybe that's not going to be there, not guaranteed just because you have the financial backing, I, I think that's the way to kind of push back on it. I'm not the, I'm not the biggest crystal ball guy. Okay. I get it. But I'm not judging off of last year. I know you gave some good reasons that you could judge off of last year. I don't think he has the horses – he didn't have him last year. I think he's going to bring him in. And, again, this goes back to Dion. It's a lot of places, man. Matt Rule's going to go through the same thing. Uh-huh. You, you don't rebuild a program in one recruiting class. It's very rare for guys to walk in, use other people's players like happened at TCU last year, and reach incredible heights. It takes three and four years. This is not college basketball. There's, cool. a, there's a size and experience factor that matters, you know, when you in the trenches especially. It is very rare that you can rebuild a program and have a stout offensive line, a defensive line, in year one and a half of your program. Seven and a half is a good total. Okay. Um, do you want to make a bet? Sure. I'll go under. Um, I want to do wins over the next two years. Okay. I, think, I think I'll still be alive. But let me come up with a number. All right. So this will we'll know this answer in, is I'll, that January of 2025? I'll put it in the spreadsheet. You know what? Thank God you have the spreadsheet because this show loves to throw out bets on the air, and then I can't keep track of them, and then I think everyone lies. Yes. Like, I never trust him to Kindle or Candy on this stuff. Oh, DeMond's going to be. <laughs> Everything oh, is just DeMond, oh, well, DeMond, DeMond. DeMond, he throws out. We, we, we taught the other guys, right? Yep. We taught Willie, and Willie beat me often. Uh, we kind of split on our bets, but they throw out Atlanta statements, and immediately you're like, okay, let's bet. And they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And they start, they start backpedaling. And what are the terms? And do I get do I get odds? Like, no, no, no. When you throw it out, there's no mention of odds. All right. Miami Hurricanes win total over the next two years. Do you want to set? what Pending, right. I'm going to set a number. Well, but I have to set it before this game because, like, the, whole, the number could completely – if they win 49 nothing, you're going you're gonna to ask for um, – uh, let's see. You're going to ask for, like, over under uh, 16 and a half. Yes, the beatdown of the Miami Redhawks. It's going to change, gonna change everything thing. for me. Um, well, let's see. It's seven and a half here. Assuming a natural progression, it, you know, if we're going to say nine and a half next year. I'll set year. the number at 15. So, what is that? For two years. Uh, eight plus seven is 15. I'll go 15 and a half, sure. Why not? Oh, really? 15 and a half. All right, I got to think about that. Actually, give me flat 16. How about that? Let me uh, let me read the roster a little bit. Get some more projections. Let well, you're put, making this case. Let me, like, let me put it in my model. You don't even yeah. You don't even know what's going yeah, on. I bl- I blindly trust. I do. I blindly trust Crystal Ball. All right, I'll do. Uh, what was it? Fifteen and a half or fifteen? F- uh, sixteen. Give me sixteen. Wait, what? Just, no, no, no. It was fifteen and a half. Well, you're right. But like we talked about, there's a natural progression if they actually are going to get better next year. Right, a third year in the program. So fifteen and a half. Realistically, I'm, I'm on that fifteen and a half. Right, Miami fine. Hurricane wins over the next two years, a bet that we I might remember. We will. I got the email sheet. will not disappear. 
I got the sheet. So we're good on this. All right, 15 and a half. I'll set it. That's fine. Um, more conference chaos news came across this morning, right? So the ACC is going to add Stanford, Cal, and SMU. You were asking, what does it mean for Florida State, who really fought against the expansion? I just thought that if Miami loses like nine games this year, I could lock this up this season. I know. It could be <laughs> terrible. Right? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, you were asking if uh, what happens to Florida State. Oh, yeah. Because the Seminole program and some of their boosters and their AD were really outspoken. I actually made a comment on the record. The president did. I can't believe he did that. But he- what, do you think there should be some retribution? Some punitive, well, some punitive action I just towards think, FSU. I just think it would be hilarious if NC State had like three straight road games next season with like SMU, Stanford, and Cal. Just like I don't know how the schedule worked out that way, but at NC State—that's that's exactly what's going to happen to you. But well, I, I do wonder. I just wonder what happens with Florida State because they have been the loudest. You know, yeah. Clemson has consistently voted no, as has North Carolina, as is Florida State. But Florida State has been the most vocal as a program and as a university being against this. So you just wonder what happens as you move forward with Florida State, what their options are, what they're going to do. They're locked into this thing till 2036. So what can you do as a program that's unhappy about it? I'm just very curious what Florida State's next steps are going to be. And this should be a small positive now that Calford and SMU are out of the mix. Jared, I think we're all good. No big four. No big four today, so it's giving us like the vibe music, little little music. Little music. We're all good. Thank you. You know, these are almost out, right? Well, I, I think that is a good point. We're almost out. <laughs> so we're gonna step aside real quick here, come back, we'll build on this and also talk to the Brian coach. It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. So we abruptly took it to break there. Let's finish up what we were talking about with the ACC adding Stanford, Cal, and SMU. Oregon State and Washington State left behind. Um, some of their fans are like, oh, let's pick where we want to go. You, you don't have a choice now. So you can just be independent, two schools, or you're going to the Mountain West. That's just right. That's the reality at this point, and it does suck. They were they were getting $30 million from the Pac-12. They're going to be down to like $6 million. But you want six million? Or you want nothing? I don't understand how you can watch what's happening yep. and still think, as a fan of a program, like yeah. we need to go raid the American and get them all over here. Like we're going no. to start our own conference. No, <laughs> it's not going to happen. Just, just take it. You know, it's funny. Uh, a school like Bryant, they're going to be in town to take on UNLV. Bryant is in the Big South slash OVC this year. Next year, they're going to be in the CAA. It'll be four conferences in four years because everything that's happening at FBS level, John, because teams keep jumping up, then affects teams at FCS level. I had a chance to talk to the head coach, Christopher Merritt, of the Bryant Bulldogs, and we started off this part of the conversation talking about he's got a really good quarterback, and I was asking him how he landed a guy like uh, Zevi Ackhaus. You know, we were lucky to get Zevi in recruiting. That was uh, the COVID year. He, you know, he, he, uh, a lot of schools between here and Los Angeles who, who missed the boat on this one, you know, uh, this is the first year that Zevi's come into camp, uh, the undisputed starter. Um, and his football IQ has gone through the roof for us. He's a coach on the field. Um, it's always good. You know, I, I've been doing this for a long time and uh, I've had a number of players. I still have a handful in the NFL right now. And I can tell you the guys who have the it factor uh, and Zevi has it. You know, there's a, 
uh, yeah, just the things that uh, he's able to accomplish on the field, his overall grasp and knowledge of the game. Uh, I've just really seen and enjoyed watching him develop over the last 24 months. So, yeah, he, I, I would probably name him as, as somebody we would have to, to prepare for if you're playing Brian. No doubt. Um, I'm always interested in the connect when you get a recruit. And you mentioned COVID year was a little bit different. How do you land a guy from Culver City, California? What was the connect on that one? Uh, well, uh, just relentless. You know, it's uh, simply a deal where where a lot of times during COVID and especially after the the, the COVID year that all these players have, I, I think really showing uh, the difference in recruiting is really showing the young man that you want him because uh, it's much fewer kids are being recruited out of high school nowadays uh, than they were three or four years ago. And so just making that uh, making that known that we want you. I think that's one of the things that uh, uh, attracted Zebby uh, to our program, if you ask him, you know, but uh, we work hard at it. Well, he looks in front of him, and I think it's all familiar faces. Do you have the entire offensive line back? Yeah, we've got uh, 10 out of 11 starters returning on offense. Uh, our expectations are high. You know, uh, obviously this first game is going to be a test, big test for us. Uh, coach Odom is a very well-known uh, defensive coach, and and uh, his staff has uh, done a great job on that side of the football. So we know we have our hands full there, but uh, we, we have high expectations for us. Over the years, uh, have you at the FCS level faced a 3-3-5 and, and what that defense presents in terms of challenges? Well, we, we've played uh, – <laughs> we, we've played uh, – uh, three different conferences over the last uh, three years. So I've seen more teams and probably more defenses than I care to see. Uh, but ironically, FIU uh, last year uh, is an odd front. Um, Akron, the first FBS opponent we played, is also an odd front. Uh, just little twists, little different things. You know, I think he's very uh, – the, the scheme we have is very good about taking away RPOs, which is what we do on offense quite a bit. Um and they don't give up the big play or they try not to give up the big play. And um, so they're very, you know, they're very uh, well built to, to make you drive the field. And that's something that they do very well. Back to the O-line. You guys have a massive O-line, uh, you know, height, weight. Uh, how do you balance when you recruit kind of the size? That's important, but also a skill level, because uh, not every guy that you bring in who's 6'5", 280 is the same as another guy who's 6'5", 280. Sure. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I think it's one of the missed, uh, upper, or misrepresented things about FCS football. You know, there is uh, – we have to take chances sometimes on, on some project. We, we have to hope for development where kids that come out with the size that we need. Uh, because at the end of the day, we, we have got to recruit the guys who can physically block what we see each week. And what we're seeing each week in some of these teams that we're playing, especially where we're going – are the six four six five long defensive ends and defensive tackles? So we need to recruit accordingly, and um, so we we really focus on our program, our strength and uh, uh, speed development program here. With Coach Beach does a great job, and, and we try to do the best we can to develop those kids. I think it's one of the toughest thing in college football coaching is uh, judging the fight in the dog, uh, because you know you can you can uh, see a guy who's six two maybe doesn't have the measurables and. He can whip a guy who's you know six six and you know on the UNLV line, and I'm sure you scouted it. One of their best defensive linemen is Jalen Dixon, who was a walk on out of Seattle, and he came in at like six foot, you know, two fifties, put on fifteen pounds. But his fight against big fellas is incredible. Oh, 100 percent. We we're well aware of him. Um, I was a walk on 
uh, Landon Ruggieri, our all-conference receiver, was a walk-on. You know, that's something that uh, uh, very few people understand what, what's inside someone like that. So uh, you're always going to find those guys who are maybe a little bit undersized, under-recruited. I think Zevi's one of those guys as well uh, that we get and get the opportunity. And this is a, a stage for them to, to show it off. Tell me about two more of your captains, uh, Dyson and Schillingford, who are on the defensive line. Sure. Uh, you know, I'm, I was really happy with the way the team voted. You know, I, you sit back and those, those, those kinds of things, when you talk about captains, it make you nervous as a coach sometimes, you know, because what they see and what you see are not always the same thing. But it was great to see uh, the kids that, that were named captain uh, by their teammates because I think they were spot on. Uh, uh, Kenny Dyson is a long, uh, long defensive end that I think has just gotten – Better. You know, this is a great opportunity for him to come back. He got better after last year, and he was pretty strong for us last year. Physically, uh, added a lot more strength in the weight room. Uh, bring some long, long edge to you. You know, that's something that uh, again we 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 need to see that in practice every day because we're going to see it every Saturday. Uh, Darnell, another walk on. Darnell's a, somebody who. Uh, his brother played at this school. Uh, he came in. He played three or four different positions. Uh, we found a home at defensive tackle, and I'd say technically he's our best defensive tackle that's out there. You you just you, you can't ask for uh, two better leaders. Last two, Coach, and we're talking to uh, Chris Merritt, head coach uh, Bryant, taking on UNLV. You guys played a lot of close games last year. Um, seven games, I think, came down to the you know the final uh, you know towards the end of the game uh, you were on the wrong side more often than not uh UNLV went through a run the last three years where I think in one score games they went one and ten yeah what is that formula what is that formula and I know what the answer could be like if I knew it we'd get it done but what is the formula to kind of turn the corner and winning close games well I appreciate you reminding me of that from sorry about that, man. I, I, I tried no uh listen we need to be reminded of it because we we cost ourselves in every one of those situations you know these are the times where Unfortunately, last year, and it didn't didn't seem like it at the time, we spent a lot of time in the offseason analyzing what we did and how we did it. And one of the things for us were penalties. You know, that was something that we uh, were in the, in the wrong top third in FCS football of, and uh, something that uh, we, we placed a focus on because, you know, of those games that you mentioned, five of them came down to the final play of the ball game, not the last 30 seconds. We're talking about the, the last play. And a penalty here, a turnover there, makes all the difference in the world in those games. There's all the shoulda, coulda, wouldas, and uh, but that's that's the the part about growth and learning. Uh, we have to simply put ourselves in the situations. The great thing that came out of it, we found ourselves in a lot of tight game situations, and hopefully this year when, when it's there, uh, we've been there and done that. We know what not to do now. Looking at the opposition, what do you know about this UNLV roster? Who are the players that have impressed you on tape? Well, um, we haven't gotten a, a, a ton. You know, all we have are ideas of X's and O's, right? So, yeah, I can look at Arkansas, which was a really good defense last year, and I can look at what they did, and um, and then I can try to line up and do what Alabama did. But I don't have Alabama, and, and uh, I don't have Missouri. I don't have the rosters. I don't have Kansas. You know, these are – some of the films that we're able to look at. Um, we have an idea on structure. I think in-game uh, adjustments are going to be key, but uh, to my knowledge, they're, they're, I know their D-line uh, are a lot of turnover there, but we have some good guys coming back. I know their interior D-lines are larger than most of the D-tackles that we're going to see. Uh, I know that their entire back half, uh, their secondary, uh, are also guys that uh, are all returning. 
Um, so uh, there's going to be a lot of carryover for them. I wish I could give you specific names. Uh, I know jersey numbers, and I'm not even sure the same jersey numbers are going to be out there uh, on, on Saturday. Um, offensively, uh, I know that they've got a, a tailback and a, an athletic quarterback. I know the freshman tailback that came in is uh, um, they have high, high expectations for him as well. And uh, as well as the receiver spots, and you know when you're playing it, when you're an FBS opponent playing in a uh, against an FCS, the FCS coach is going to look at every position out there and see somebody that's probably physically uh, better than what you have on your roster. So picking out specific people is going to be kind of tough. Uh, I do know that the transfer that they have from LSU on the edge is going to be a handful as well. Uh, so we've taken that into account. Should be a hell of a matchup. Looking forward to it because uh, the UNLV coaches have kind of said the same thing in terms of not having a whole lot on you guys and that it, this is really going to be a big game of coaching adjustments in game. So it's going to be frenzied <laughs> on the sidelines. So we'll, uh, we'll see you out there on Saturday. Looking forward to it. And thanks for so much time today. Thanks, Steve. Take care. There he is, Chris Merritt, head coach of Bryant. Um, both coaching staffs dueling with the we don't know anything about the opposition. And then you heard him there reeled off like seven different players. So. He didn't know a whole lot about the roster, but he knew who Xavier Carter was. He knew who true freshman Jet Thomas is. Yep. <laughs> I love Coach Speak. I don't know what we're going to do. Uh, in his case, though, his team returns 10 of 11 starters. They average over 30 points a game last year. They have a good quarterback. And believe it or not, their offensive line does average around 6'4", 290. So he's got some size. So Bryant could be a test, uh, especially if they're better down the stretch in close games. Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Uh, we'll get you some scores from college football here in a couple of minutes. Some uh, big boys playing. Actually, a pair of games with Power Fives against MAC teams. Uh, Rhino, Derek, one of our P1s, one of our big listeners, tweeted at us. Um, Chris Merritt, coach of Bryant, said uh, less high school kids are getting recruited straight out to go to college. High school football recruits. Rhino said, I'm ignorant on the math, the concept, how or why are less kids being recruited out of high school? Transfer portal. Yep. If you are a team that needs to fill a position, whatever it is, you can go recruit the high school kid who needs development and might not impact your team for a year or two, or you can go get the kid who played Division One football for a year or two and fill that position of need. Everyone's trying to get old and stay old. Yep. So in the case of UNLV, this year they, they had a pretty healthy high school class, but they also brought in 20-plus transfers. Um, at other places, Power 5 schools, you'll often see a recruiting class that might be 19, down from what it used to be of, say, high school kids, down from what it used to be maybe of 25, and they'll have 19 high school recruits and eight transfer portal guys because mm -hmm. they're looking for quick fixes. And the other thing is for the Power 5 schools, they're like, yeah, you know what, if you want, as a freshman, go to group of five, we're just going to come and take you anyway. Yep. So let them develop there. Let them do all their weight work, and maybe they get a little playing time. Let them learn discipline, uh, get out the uh, freshman jitters and immaturity, do it there, we'll take you up. Especially at positions like offensive line, yep. where, you know, where you really, like those are, those were the most, that was actually the most coveted position when it you read in the transfer portal this year. Ridiculous. Yep. I've said it a couple times. I was watching the transfer portal really closely to kind of see how, uh, in this case, the UNLV was building the team, and there were no offensive linemen available. And, like, when one came available, there was some kid at, at Colorado who – was a starter, but wasn't like one of their you know five best guys. And early on, I think UNLV made an offer, and then all of a sudden it was like freaking twenty power five offers. 
because those guys are coveted because you want a guy who's older and has already put in the time. So, yeah, high school opportunities. What's What's happening now is more high school kids are having to go to JUCO or go to the next level down, and then they're coveted after two years from a spot like that, and you'll see it at places like Nevada. Um, last two years at UNLV, they've pulled some players out of schools. I'm like, I've never heard of this school ever. I mean, they got UNLV had two linemen back-to-back years come out of Charleston Southern, and then one was so good in Preston Nichols, I was he say, stayed yep. for a year, and then Nichols is like, oh, now Purdue wants me. Now I'm going up another level. That's, that was, that's an example of what we kind of were talking about, right? Like you said, I, and it doesn't have to be like, you know, the whatever. I think you mentioned the group of five teams, right? But, yeah, let the group of five team develop the offensive lineman. He looks really good. Okay, Purdue, we're rebuilding. We need more guys. We're reshaping our offense. Preston Nichols, come on down. Yep. And then there's the opposite way where at Nevada you had uh, Ashton Hayes and Sean Dollar, running backs, mm-hmm. go to Cal and Oregon, respectively. And instead of Ken Wilson going out, and, and I have to look at his class. I don't want to speak inaccurately here, but, you know, let's get four freshmen running back. No, how about we take two guys from the Pac-12 to come down to our level and they're going to be ready to go and be contributors, and we don't have to wait on a developmental project. Yep. So everything has changed. By the way, I, 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 don't, want to, I don't want to go off on this. Actually, no, I'm going, to, I'm going to hold it. I'm going to hold it for now. I was going to, uh, I was really going to talk about yeah. Coach K because uh, he, he had some comments on NAL, but I do want to get these scores out there. Uh, eight minutes left in the first quarter. Uh, Miami Keynes on top of Miami of Ohio, 7 nothing. Uh, going to the end of the first quarter, Central Michigan with their, check that, Michigan State with their new quarterback. And then what uh, you're talking about, Gabbard on Miami. So right yeah. now it's scoreless end of the near the end of the first quarter with Michigan State. Yes, and I'm watching it. I've got it here. Um, not a great showing from the defensive and offensive lines for Michigan State so far. Say that much. It's early on, so maybe you're just kind of working some stuff out. But yeah, Michigan State offensively, they're not really running the ball with much pop. Like you're not seeing much drive downfield from that offensive line against Central Michigan. And they have a transfer in because. Mel Tucker's been really good bringing in transfer running backs. Their transfer running back this year is from, you know, a level below from UConn. So it's become part of the game now. Fish and chip special going down here on a Friday at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. $17.95, you get the fish and chips, you get a beer, and you get to keep the glass. It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Well, we got some dogfights going down. College football on a Friday night. Michigan State scoreless with Central Michigan and Miami. The Canes trying to go up on Miami, Ohio. They're up 7 nothing now. I don't know how many points are going to be scored in this game because it is – I mean, Florida gets rain, so – and hardcore rain. It is pouring right now. Yes, it is. And I don't – is it like Hawaii where it just comes and goes? Yes, but that would usually be in the afternoon, like a quick afternoon shower. Right now, it's, it's whatever it is, 745 at night. Uh, let's bring in Derek Stevens, our good buddy from down at Circa. Derek, how are you? It's uh, Von Tobel. I'm Cofield. What's going on? Hey, how you guys doing? Good to talk to you today. Yeah, we're, uh, we're fired up, man. we got college football back and seeing some interesting games here right now. So what's cooking down there in terms of the contest? Because the deadlines are coming up pretty soon. Yeah, they're getting they're getting close, but uh, you know it's that time of the year where we're starting to see people flying in from all over the place. This has been a it's been a lot of fun today. Our, our transportation department has been busy uh, running back and forth to the airport picking people up. So it's uh, 
it's pretty cool when you have, when you have guys walking in walking in Circus Sportsbook, you know, with uh, with uh, backpacks of like uh, you know twenty, thirty, fifty, fifty thousand, with all their buddies trying to trying to max out in, in Circus Millions and Circus Survivors. So we've had we've had some pretty good uh, pretty good uh, um, entries so far. We've had three hundred and thirty thousand of signups just today. We had about oh, wow. three. 360 yesterday, so uh, we're getting there. You know, we guaranteed eight million in Circus Survivor, and uh, I think we're gonna we're gonna blow through that number. So that'll be the largest you know football contest payout, you know, legal payout in history. So we're excited about that. And then the Circa Millions, you know, we guaranteed six million. Um, yeah, I think we're, we're not going to quite get there. So there's going to be a little overlay there. So that's where the value is this year is in the Circa Millions. Talk a little more about the the uh, setup of the circus circus survivor. I don't know if everyone in the audience knows what a survivor contest is. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a football contest where uh, you just got to pick one team a week, no point spread, and um, if you if you win week one, well then you're you're eligible to play in week two, and then if you win week two, you're eligible to play week three and. The, the gap here is this, is that once you pick a team, you only pick the team once per season. So so your selections get uh, progressively more limited, uh, but it's a massive payout. I mean, you know, we're talking about this is some serious life-changing stuff here. It's going to be at least $8 million. There's a chance we're going to get over $9 million on, on the payout. It could go to one person, one contestant. It could go... It could go to a couple if uh, if they end up having uh, equal records or get knocked out on the same week where they have to chop the chop the whole pot. And when it comes to to buy-ins, Derek, explain to people because you guys did change the rules, the maximum amount of entries you can have, and the fact that you can buy back in if you have a couple eliminated on Thursday, right? Yeah, exactly. So it's a thousand dollar entry. Uh, you can uh, buy up to ten per uh, per individual um, if you play the. Chiefs Lions game on Thursday got knocked out. You could buy back up to up to a total of ten. Um, you know, you can uh, obviously we're talking in Vegas here, so you don't need to have a proxy. But if uh, if you're doing some traveling, proxies are available to be able to put your picks in for you. You just got to sign up at one of our, one of our uh, sports books. So that would be you know at the D Las Vegas at Circa or at some of our our, our uh, satellite books over at the Pass and uh, on Water Street in Henderson or at the Tuscany. Um, and uh, you can sign up at any of these locations. Derek Stevens, of course, owner of Circa, that you can check out downtown. One of my favorite spots out there. Uh, all right, so let's go. Let's go really quickly to the Circa Millions. Why does it matter to anybody listening that you would have an overlay? How does that benefit somebody out there who wants to enter? Well, you know, think about you know we're we're, we're all chasing these big. We all we all get in our cars and we drive out to out to California, drive drive out to Arizona for uh, for lottery tickets. Well. Now, that's not really the, the 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 best expected value, you know, where you where you got a negative forty percent or fifty percent expected value here. The thing about an overlay means you have you have um, you know a, a positive value going into it. A hundred percent of the of the payout of the uh, entry fees gets paid out, and if we don't reach six million in entry fees, that's what Circus guaranteeing. So that's where you get this positive. Um, expected value. That's what we call as as, as the overlay. Uh, if we don't hit the six million, so um, it's it's actually a good value to to uh, to buy into the circa millions. You know, that's the traditional contest where you pick five games against the spread each week uh, throughout you know, throughout the season. 
So if we go back to Survivor and what we're looking at from an actual football perspective, you do a great job. You have all those calendars put together with what the schedule is going to look like. Uh, have, have you put much thought to week one and what some of the popular teams are going to be for week one? Because it looks like a week full of landmines. Well, it does, but I think, but I think you know, when you start looking at the schedule, it becomes pretty clear there's going to be some teams that really stand out. I think, you know, the uh, the commanders are really going to stand out for a couple reasons. It's it's uh, you know it's uh, about a six and a half seven point favorite. You've got you've got um, a play an anti Arizona play, which I think a lot of contestants are going to be riding on. So I would say the commanders are probably going to be the top selection in week one. Um, I also I also believe that. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens are another team that could be a top selection in week one. So I think those two are going to see the majority of uh, Circus Survivor selections. Derek Stevens with us, uh, owner of Circus. And remember, uh, we're on in Reno and Sparks in northern Nevada, so you've got your book up there as well at uh, Legends Bay Casino. We've talked to you about strategy because, you know, you, uh, you used to play. Now you're on the other side, so I don't know how much you play anymore. But how have you honed your mind on – these contests and you know the survivor contest on which way to go uh, what would you pick like what would you go with early in the season do you go with the obvious choices or try to get a little sneaky no i think you know i think the way i had it i had it kind of laid out i think there's some there's some that are pretty clear you know i think i'm going washington i'm going washington on week one i think that uh that becomes pretty clear uh then you know you got to start taking a look at what's what's the right spot and i know a lot of times you may want to save the Detroit Lions for Thanksgiving, but I think the Lions got a great spot looking at them. In uh, in week five, they play at home against Carolina. So you really got to start start taking a look at the schedule and see, you know, what what, what is the week you want to use a specific team out there. So I, you know, I think I think most people really try to get at least five six weeks out of the schedule and try to map it out that way, and then. You just got to protect for Christmas and Thanksgiving. Make sure you got a couple of a uh, couple options available. Yeah, ex- explain that to some uh, listeners, Derek, because that's the intriguing part, right? Is those standalone holidays are weeks in the Survivor, so you have to make sure you have those teams. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right, JVT. I mean, you know, there's only 18 weeks of the NFL schedule, but in Circus Survivor, there's 20. You get more for your money. There you go. So, uh, so yeah, we we treat Thanksgiving and we treat Christmas as its own holiday. So you got to save. You got to save, uh, you know, the eight teams. There's three playing Thanksgiving Day, one playing Black, one game Black Friday. So you got to save a couple teams on that that uh, Thanksgiving week, and then you got to save a few teams uh, for Christmas. You know, um, you got you got Baltimore's playing at San Francisco on Christmas. That's a pretty tough matchup. Um, you, you really got to think about saving the Chiefs. Because the Chiefs play on Christmas uh, against the Raiders, and unfortunately, that's a home team. But but uh, that that's going to be a pretty uh, uh, a pretty popular pick, I think, in Circus Survivor is saving the Chiefs for Christmas. The deadline is September 9th at two o'clock, so uh, don't wait until the last minute. Circus Sports Million, Circus Survivor. Uh, Derek Stevens on Cofield and Company here on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Reno. I got to ask you about some stuff that uh, you got on the way around the property and what's been going on around the property. First of all, at Circa, um, what is this uh, 16 handicapper contest that uh, the uh, one, the only Matt Eumann's put together? Yeah, Matt Eumann's uh, put together uh, a very interesting crew of uh, football handicappers from around the country, um, added in some uh, some new uh, handicappers with some great, great track records uh, this year. 
brought in um, a fellow by the name of Anthony Gordon. Uh, his his name was Derbify a couple years ago, and he won the Circa Millions. Uh, okay. Also brought in a fellow by the name of Chris Piper, who uh, who was a winner of Circus Survivor, a co-winner of Circus Survivor a couple years ago. Oh, wow, okay. Brought, brought in a, guy, a, a, a group called the Mad Russians. Uh, they they uh, they uh, they tied for first in Circus Survivor a couple couple years uh, a couple years ago, plus you know a whole bunch of uh, a pretty well known um, and well respected both professional and college handicappers such as Paul Stone and, and others that uh, that all have to put their picks into Matt Humans. It's a it's a it's a it's a contest where uh, Matt Humans is uh, taking these selections and. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna pay out a total of twenty five thousand dollars to these esteemed handicappers uh, to the top three and be a whole lot of fun. Is what Matt Humans uh, puts out on his Friday night show. I assume Matt is in charge for twenty thousand of the twenty five thousand dollars price. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're still working through that. We we said we're gonna front it, but uh, that's gonna be one of those uh, <laughs> mega bar uh, discussions late on a Friday night. There you go. And you know how those go. Yeah, those can be dangerous discussions. Um, how was your radio row? I know we had like four shows from uh, Lotus Broadcasting down there, but you brought in a bunch of different stations from around the country. Yeah, it was great. I mean, we had 31, 31 different uh, radio stations and, and football football uh, podcasting groups that came in uh, last weekend for our contest sign-up weekend. We had our you know football preview. That was really the highlight of the whole weekend. Um, to go along, you know, we had the radio roller, but the highlight of the fo- whole weekend was uh, Mike Palm's 2023 football preview with a number of people uh, presenting on this panel, and uh, it was uh, it was it was a really really great weekend. A lot of people coming in from all over the country, and uh, you know, I think everybody learned a lot. How much power does Mike have when it comes to the book? Did I did I read this right? Did uh, Mike offer in Iowa? Like an average points per game for the Hawkeyes prop. Yeah, you know that's what happens. Mike does all. You know, Mike's from Iowa, so yes, I know. so you know, Mike Palm does all the interviews in Iowa. You know, and then he starts talking with these guys, and they start asking. He goes, and he says something live on the line. Online, he comes up with some uh, some prop on on how many points Iowa's going to score throughout the whole regular season, and you know, this thing went a little viral in Iowa, and. Uh, we had a little bit of pressure to post it, but uh, there really wasn't much pressure because it's a great prop, and I think people love it. They're betting the hell out of it right now. I think the uh, the prop is currently uh, will Iowa uh, average above or below twenty five points uh, per game, and uh, and boy, they seem to be eating it up in Iowa. By the way, that's for those who don't know. That's tied to Brian Ferentz's contract, where he has to. The Iowa offense has to average 25 points per game for him to get an incentive in his contract, the offensive coordinator. So it's, I think it's kind of brilliant. By the way, I mean, I, I, he's awesome, but uh, really quickly, Palm has a lot of power. He couldn't validate your parking the other day, so that was a little bit of an issue. No, we got it done. Oh, okay. Right. We got it done. It, you know, I, think I, I think I made a mistake when I asked for a special parking spot like you have. And then he was like, no, absolutely not. That cannot be done. Uh, Derek, we appreciate a couple minutes, and we're always glad to uh, pitch in to fill up these contests. These are great things, and – the job you guys do by uh, paying back the, the players and the contestants is awesome. Hey, thanks a lot, guys. There'd be nothing better uh, than to have, uh, have you guys right in the hunt, uh, hunt in this thing. So I hope to see you down here in the next few days signing up. Thanks, Derek. There he is. Thanks, thanks a lot. Derek Stevens, owner of Circa. Uh, Circa Book is also at uh, Legends Bay in Sparks.
And yeah, yeah, I got I got the validation done. Okay, just wondering. Uh, he said you got to go downstairs, go to a VIP host. The 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 uh, the host was unbelievable. He's like, well, oh, he, yeah. He's like, Mike already called down. You're taken care of. Yeah, just give me the ticket. Well, he had a brilliant line, which I very much respected. Which was, we're running the business here. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, we weren't getting we weren't getting comps at any of the restaurants. I, I, that was pretty clear from the get go. Well, I've got access to a special team member. Oh, is that right? The deli. Is that right? Yeah. Five o'clock hours on the way. A lot more college football preview. Week one is here.